Indie or AAA? Indie. Super Mario or Sonic? Definitely Super Mario. You're listening to Iron Source Level Up with guest host Mishka Katkov. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to Level Up, the podcast for people who love making, growing, and of course, playing mobile games. We're excited to have Mishka Katkov, guest host on next few episodes. Mishka is head of the studio Aerovio and the founder of gaming blog Deconstructor FM. Today on the show, we have Peter Quirman, Chief Advertising Officer at miniclip.com. Welcome, Peter. Hello there. You are our dream team right now. Is, is that the case? Yes. It's like our dream <laughs> recorder host with like the dream interviewee. This is amazing. Let's let's all give each other compliments. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a good start. I do have to say, I think this is an excellent series. It should be called Teach the Developer because like when we're talking about these questions that you have here, programmatic mediation, header bidding, trends for programmatic mediation, like I can't say whether you're bullshitting or not. I don't know anything about this. So this will be very interesting. But before we jump in into programmatic mediation, can you tell a little bit about yourself? How did you come to be a chief advertising officer at Miniclip? And and how did you get into the gaming space? Really great question. I often wonder myself. The truth is, I've always been a massive gamer. So for me to end up working in the gaming space was a bit of a lifelong dream, to be honest with you. After I graduated from university, I first worked as a secondary school teacher for a couple of years, after which I worked for a UK retailer where I started running their affiliate marketing and their digital media buying. That was about 10 years ago when I left the retailer for what's turned out to be a brilliant job opportunity at Miniclip. Because when I joined Miniclip, we were a very small web business, predominantly around miniclip.com. And these days, of course, most of our revenue comes from the mobile space. Many of the people listening may know our games, 8-Ball Pool, Football Strike, Gario, and Golf Battle. And from what once was a 20-person company when I joined, we're now close to 330 Miniclippers across four different countries. Damn. 10 years at Miniclips and a lot of big changes. And by the way, I have to say, you are a true gamer because you're the one who showed me Plank. And, and, and I've, been, I've been playing ever since. But we're here to talk about programmatic mediation. So can you briefly explain to myself and, and others who might not know it, what is it? Of course. It's a bit of a dry topic today, let's be fair. So I'll, I'll do my best to, to lighten things up a little bit. First of all, let's try and list all of the different names that we've heard around this topic. Because what Iron Source calls programmatic mediation is, of course, known as many different things, according to many different partners. And that, of course, is one of the problems. So what are the names? Programmatic mediation, unified auction, header bidding, fair bidding, advanced bidding, wrapper bidding. I'm sure there's one or two that I've missed. But each of those have their own slight nuance. But really what it comes down to is that we're thinking about what is the next generation of advertising technology in the mobile space. To try and answer the question, let's talk about what it's not. Let's talk about what's happening right now in the mobile ad tech space. What it's not is looking at historic data to make an estimate on which partner may be the best possible next one to call in your waterfall. What it's not is using flow rates to try and create some kind of artificial bit-like environment. Instead, programmatic mediation or any of the other names that try and describe it is about attempting to have every user or user impression combination valued on the basis of actual real-time advertiser interests rather than retrospectively assigning value to them on the basis of something like a a post-view, post-click or or post-install behavior. So that's number one. And then with that as a principle, programmatic mediation is then about everyone having the technology to make sure that all parties can send and receive bids in as close to real time as possible on those users and 
their ad impression. Does that make sense? It, it, it makes sense a little bit. So let me reiterate and see if I understand it properly. So if we look a few years back, we're talking about waterfalls mainly. I mean, we're still talking about waterfalls. Initially, we're talking about waterfalls with a single line item or a single provider of ads. And then we're talking about waterfall with multiple line items. And kind of the next step is programmatic mediation. Am I correct here? Exactly. Waterfalls are all based on historic performance, whereas programmatic mediation at its core principle is about having real-time data to inform who is the highest bidding or most valuable advertiser at that point in time. And the user-level data plays a crucial role here, right? Absolutely. And I think that's one of the issues that we've got right now in what is ostensibly an SDK-driven world. Let's take Vungle, right? Not not to pick on them uh, in, in any way. We can also talk about Ad Colony. We as a publisher, as a, as a game developer, we actually know very little as to why Vungle is bidding on certain partners. There's a huge cloud that sits between us through mediation. And most importantly, we don't see what they know and what they like about each and every one of our users. And that's really tricky. For us, it means that we have to make certain suppositions and assumptions about where we place Vungle, for example, in our waterfall. And instead, if we know very clearly what Vungle would like to bid for this user, and at the same time, what Facebook might want to bid for this user and what Mopup might want to bid for this user and what Iron Source might want to bid for this user, we can actually have a lot more information about our own users. And that's one of the drawbacks of current world and one of the potential benefits of moving towards a, a programmatic mediation world. So Peter, who are the different players in the header bidding space then? So until recently, I saw the header bidding world or the programmatic mediation world as having three different types of players, the hybrids, the pure players, and the innovator. So let me talk you through each of these three. The hybrids are the likes of Fiber or IronSource or, or Mopup. And these businesses have an existing ad tech or an existing mediation business with an existing margin to protect. They are moving into header bidding or they're moving into programmatic mediation in a slightly reluctant way because they've got those existing margins to protect. And what they're trying to do is to do just enough when it comes to their own product to make sure that they stay ahead of the other hybrids in the space. So then the pure play. At the moment, I would say that Unity Ads is the only pure play in the space. They have what they call a unified auction. And in some ways, they are closest to achieving what is one of my objectives of moving towards this next generation of ad tech. What they have is a, a single SDK. And they even have Google as a demand partner bidding within the unified auction. Now, some people have challenged the extent to which Unity actually have a significant contribution from their non-Unity demand. Others have said that there really isn't enough transparency that comes from Unity with their solution as it stands right now. And then lastly, the innovators. And I was so excited to see that a true new player came onto the market because there really was only one innovator and that is Max Ads. Mm. So giving these three types of different players, how do you see the mobile programmatic mediation transforming or evolving in 2019? There's one partner that I haven't talked about yet, and that's the big elephant in the room. That's Google, right? Google, of course, are the player when it comes to web header bidding. And who knows what they're going to come to market with in, in 2019. And indeed, I'm, I'm very excited to see what they will bring. When it comes to trends Generally, to be honest with you, in 2019, I think what you will find is still a huge amount of press releases on the basis of who is working with who. 
from all of the hybrid players in, in particular. They will talk about which partners have come on board in terms of bidding partners on their platforms. And what will happen is that actually only a few game publishers will start testing and running tests at scale using the next generation of ad technology. And really, I'd say that things are only properly going to get going in 2020 and 2019 will still be the transition year, if you like. So do you think that the certain ad units will be ready faster for programmatic, such as banners and interstitials, natives, etc.? Yeah, definitely. It's really simple. The simpler the format, the easier it is to change to bidding. So right now, all of the players that I'm speaking to are in the first instance, only looking at interstitials and banners because the technology to support that from a bidding perspective is much simpler. And only once that as a tech has matured, will we see some traction around uh, rewarded video. And rewarded video, of course, it's a really important part of our ecosystem. It's a huge part of ad monetization in the mobile space, but technically it's much more challenging to get rewarded video right than it is for a relatively simple interstitial or, so this or banner set. influence mainly hyper casual games and more of an arcade games first before moving into you know more of an in-app purchase driven games. Exactly. And the hyper casual games or disposable games as some describe them, they are heavily reliant on interstitials. They are heavily reliant on banners. And that's a great thing, right? They're, they're operating at such scale. You mentioned the guys that developed Plank, Quali, absolutely wonderful team with really amazing capabilities to truly build fantastic hyper-casual games. They're operating at such scale with these formats. They're in the perfect place to go and test and innovate and experiment. And of course they have to. It's a, it's a very competitive space, the hyper-casual one. So every percentage gained through the next generation of ad tech would help them to be able to continue their current dominance in the space. So what are then the sort of major challenges when it comes to programmatic SDK solutions? So any wholesale tech change like this, is it, it's fraught with challenges. We talked about formats a second ago. Let's take rewarded video. At the moment, most players, most developers use pre-caching as a way of making sure that the rewarded video plays instantly as and when the user requests to see the video. If you look at the bidding world, you need a complete rethink on how you manage rewarded video. Do you move to a streaming model, for example, whereby at the point in time where the user requests the video, the bid happens, everyone bids, you have a winning bid, and then you start streaming streaming the video or actually does that impact the user experience too much and do you somehow need to work pre-caching around how you manage rewarded video. And then I guess there's also the question of whether header bidding will, will actually improve yield for publishers. And with floor rates right now, you can set up a bidding structure in some mediation partners already. What if this next generation of ad tech actually reduces your revenue? And all the while, the start, we talked about the different parties and, and the different names, right? All of these different companies, they've all got their competing objectives. Some of these parties are, are willing and able to move to an actual bidding auction, whereas others are, are looking for a soft bid, whereby the bid is more of an indicative bid to be firmed up later in terms of the actual value. Some tech providers, like I said, want to mix mediation with bidding, whereas others are more purist. So it's all super challenging. And I guess I'm quite happy to be on the game side, to be honest, because ad tech is a brutal mm. space to be in. Yeah, that really didn't come into mind that it could actually reduce the revenues. That's not good. No, it, it wouldn't be. And I think that's why change will be slow, right? I have my budget goals that I need to hit. We have our numbers that we need to hit. And any such big change in technology carries risk uh, and it, it puts pressure. So out of curiosity, what's the percentage of revenue coming in from interstitials and system initiated ads uh, compared to the sort of opt 
opt-in ads, such as the rewarded videos and so forth. So when we're talking about programmatic ads, I'm just trying to understand how big of an impact do they have since they're starting with these interstitials and banners. Imagine a, a sliding scale. So on the left, you've got the hyper-casual players and on the right, you've got you know casual or mid-core. Simple rule of thumb is the more likely a user is to spend on an in-app purchase within the game, the more relevant formats like rewarded video and offer walls are for our users. So then you go back to the hyper-casual space and there really, there is definitely some content that can have continuity content, continuity placements whereby users would be able to watch rewarded videos, but there isn't that much of a demand. And therefore, the hyper-casual players are, are forced to show banners at huge frequency, forced to show interstitials at huge frequency, possibly at, of course, a considerable risk to longer-term retention. That way, the percentage of the revenue is actually much larger in hyper-casual games when it comes to interstitials and banners, and hence the uh, the programmatic bidding has to work off the bat. It has to work, exactly. It's crucial. And for us at Miniclip, we, we've got a really wide portfolio of games. Some are very strong on in-app purchase front, whereas others are, are less so. So within that wide portfolio of games, we've got some games that generate 70% of their ads revenue from rewarded video, whereas in other cases, maybe 70% of revenue comes from interstitials. It really depends on a game-by-game -game basis and the makeup of the gameplay, the metagame of that game so, so in, in its own that right. The programmatic mediation works and it doesn't lower the revenue. So what's the outcome and, and how significant it would be for Miniclip since you have such a wide portfolio? So firstly, why is it interesting for us to, to look at this next generation of ad tech? What we want to do is we want to reduce the amount of space taken up by ad technology in our games, right? We have a, an 80 megabyte game and actually, in some cases, 10% of that is taken up by SDKs. In, in a pure hypothetical bidding world, all you need is one base player, a video player, or one base ad server, where all of the partners would bid into that and you have that video player or the ad player display the ad. All of the various SDKs that we implement right now are essentially each a player, a video player, or an ad server, and a data tracker for each of those partners that we work with. And that, of course, is massive duplication. So that's the first thing that we're hoping to ultimately achieve is reduce the amount of space that's taken up by unnecessary ad tech. Secondly, we're genuinely hoping for or greater access to brand demand. If we can move away from being limited to internal walled networks, CPI-based networks, if we've got access to additional demand, we can move into the brand space. And that's hugely important to us because we're currently, let's be fair, we're advertising some of our competitors in our games. And we would much rather, even if we make a little bit less money, to be honest with you, we would much rather have a brand ad that is unrelated to the gaming space still generate revenue, but not necessarily have the risk that we do of sending a user to one of our competitors. And lastly, something that you touched upon earlier, and, and that's almost the most exciting bit for us, right? Now, we have the luxury of having a, a really strong and a pretty sizable ad monetization team. And one of the things that we've started getting involved in this year is getting more insights about our users on an individual basis and their relative value. If we can start seeing bid-level data about our users, then we would be able to identify the value of those users. And this is something, like I touched upon earlier, that, that's being controlled by our SDK partners. And naturally, they are, in some cases or all cases, reluctant to, uh, to share that with us. 
So by having access to that bit-level data, we've got a much greater ownership of, of our own data. And that's the third kind of major theme for me. That's an interesting part where you said about the brand ads versus competitors' ads. As a side note, and just out of curiosity, do you feel that there's more brand ads in the inventory? Because I've been hearing about that since the last six years, that there's more and more brand ads coming in, but I haven't really followed it. So what is your perception on that? That's a big question and, and perhaps a podcast in its own right, to be honest with you. There are a huge number of reasons reasons why it is moving too slowly. It's definitely there, particularly in Q4. If you've got a, a strong mediation tech player with a, a strong exchange, you might be able to get 50 or, or even 60% of your inventory filled with brand ads in the Q4 period. But it really is isolated to the Q4 period where you've got in the US Thanksgiving, Black Friday, and the run up to Christmas, whereby brand budgets are very large and they naturally seep into the mobile exchanges. But still, there is a, a huge difference between those brand agencies and their understanding of the mobile in-app world and, and therefore their willingness to move into that space. But nor do we right now have a world where we allow them to do that, right? The technologies are not like in the web world whereby you've got a single ad server whereby everyone is able to get a similar level of data for their campaigns, both on the supply and the buy side. In the web world where a lot of brand buying of course happens, you've got very good audience measurement tools and those are only slowly but surely coming into the mobile space. That in its own is one of the reasons why it's moved so slowly. So to the final question, and that is, with mobile SDK programmatic solution being supported currently by Facebook only, when do you think, assuming that everything goes right, when do you think that the majority of ad revenue will be generated through programmatic mediation? Facebook has been wonderfully vocal about it from the start. They've essentially said we're in favor of this. They've even created an initial list of best practice that they've imposed on people that need to work with Facebook. And they've been really vocal from the start, but I don't think that they are the only one. They have been the most vocal. With regards to the question, I think we're really still a few years away. We need changes across the board in our industry for the majority of ad revenue to be generated from programmatic. What we need is we need a consistently adopted base technology that is capable of supporting it. And like I said earlier, we've got a whole load of different companies vying to become that base technology. Secondly, we've got Facebook, right? They're leading the way, but we need other bidding partners to consistently be able to bid on that bid platform. And like I alluded to earlier, we've got some partners that are only willing and able to bid on a soft bid, not a real bid, but you know, an indicative bid. And that of course isn't good enough. In order for bidding to work, we need a consistent platform and a consistent methodology under which bids can be sent and received. But then we're not even done. Then we need gaming companies to test and implement the technology. And all of these aspects are, are very messily happening at the very same time right now. So that's that's why I think 2019 will, will continue to be a transition and test year. And it's only in 2020 that we'll start seeing some major traction. However, I think your point around the hypercasuals earlier, I think it's a really good observation, right? They're so dependent on this, the disposable game space. It's so competitive with so many players coming on board. They will continue to need to innovate. And if this is a way in which they can do so, then perhaps they will be the drivers okay. of adoption. Do you think that 5G will impact programmatic? So like 5G will support it and help speed it up? 
Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. I mean, first of all, the rollout of 5G is going to be perhaps even slower in terms of universal adoption. What it certainly will be is the accelerator, but it's actually more the afterburners that are going to be put on to push towards universal adoption from a user perspective rather than the trigger. And also we've got new phones being rolled out as well to cope with 5G. So I guess that will also have an impact on the capabilities of the phone itself and therefore use of programmatic on them. Yeah, definitely. But the adoption of those 5G phones, like I said, is going to be much slower than I believe the innovation that's going to be driven by the technology partners and gaming partners involved in this space. Those were all of my questions. Your soothing, soothing, clear voice has helped a lot. It's a tough topic and definitely learned a lot. My pleasure, Mishka. Thanks. Thanks so much. Thank you, Peter. For being on the show really it's as Mishka said it's a tough topic and you really explained it very well also for a non-tech person like me and thanks Mishka again for guest hosting thank you I hope to see everybody on the next episode 